So let us just, um, we're going to be reading from Second Timothy chapter 2 this morning. Let me just pray. Father, Lord, we just settle ourselves before you today in Jesus' name. Lord, for, for as we consider what this week means, God, we are reminded that, Lord, we were once lost in our sin. Lord, for many of us, we knew what it was to lie, God, in the shock of sin. Lord, destroyed by it. And Lord, we thank you that, Lord, when we were all were lost without hope, unable to save ourselves, that, Father, you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, God incarnate. Lord, and he came, and he lived that sinless life, and he died that sinner's death, and he rose again that all who trust in him may be saved and forgiven and have eternal life with Christ. And Lord, we pray this morning that, Lord, as we consider what it is to, to be in the war for souls, God, that we would take it seriously. That, Lord, we would see that men and women all around us are perishing. Like never before, there's a deception upon the eyes of men. Never and before, as in history, like to that of Noah's day, as in such a wild spirit of atheism in our world. But, Lord, we thank you that the Lord still speaks. We thank you the Holy Spirit was sent into this world to convict it of its sin, of righteousness, and of the common judgment, and you are still at your work. And Father, the unseen work, Lord, goes on in our hearts, in these pews, and all around our world. The seen works of the enemy is seen over our media platforms and our TVs and all these lies that are Lord, being told. But Lord, we thank you that your word will not be hidden away. And Lord, your word will go forth and it will not, it will, Lord God, it will do that in which it's sent to do. And that is change the sinner into a saint. And so, Father, I pray as we consider what it is, Lord, to be in the war as Christians, that, Lord, you would, Lord, bless us, strengthen us, and quicken us, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you're taking notes this morning, the, the title is simply The Christian and the War for Souls, because that's exactly what, what we're going to be looking at this morning. The Christian, or sorry, the resurrection and the war for souls. The resurrection and the war for souls. So it's a Palm Sunday. It's when Jesus rode into Jerusalem and the people all cheered and rejoiced that he was coming. And we all know the story. It wasn't that long later that they all were shouting, crucify him and give us Barabbas. That is the sin nature of us all. We have the ability to praise God with one word and curse him with the next. That's what we see the problem is. The problem is the problem of man's heart. But Jesus, as he came to, to Jerusalem for the final time on that donkey, he was making his way to the cross. We understand that. He was making his way to the cross. There was a war on for souls. It begun then. It begun in the Garden of Eden, but it begun, we're seeing it really, the war really come to fruition with Christ coming to Jerusalem, making his way to that cross. But there's there he's going to war directly against Satan and against death. The war for souls is difficult. The Christian life is difficult. The work of the church is difficult. Make no mistake about it, we know it too well. We're faithful in this church, and we know what it is to go after the lost. But I want you to see this morning that it's difficult also for Jesus. It's very difficult for his church, and it's difficult for Jesus. I want to pull that out. Jesus didn't come and just walk through this very easy. Many of his words point to a great anguish, a great struggle, a great wrestle within him. We're told that Jesus endured the cross, endured the cross. And we as Christians struggle to endure. Some of the simplest things can set us back. Funny, there was a minister's conference that Ben and I was at yesterday, and it was shared that 
John Piper had received a letter from a girl who had said that she once followed Jesus but ended up getting herself in a relationship with a man who didn't know the Lord and just find it really difficult to get back into a relationship with Jesus. His response was, well, if you love Jesus that much, it didn't take much for a simple man just to take you away from him. Maybe you didn't know him as well as you thought. What a challenge, but what a truth. Because we can sometimes think, well, why is things so hard? Why are there so many difficulties in my life? But we refuse to take a correction as in, well, we made these decisions, and that girl, if she really, really loved the Lord, should she have made that decision then question? That was his point. We, there will be things we will have to endure, and I, I want to pull that out this morning, but I also want to end it with the resurrection. There's endurance, and Jesus endured the cross that souls may be saved. He endured the cross that you may be, in, may be saved. Remember that. He entered Jerusalem on a humble donkey, making his way to that sinful cross. And he kept his eye on eternity and the resurrection. That's what we need to do as believers. Fix our eyes on eternity and on the resurrection as we consider Easter. And the word today is encouragement to the church to keep her eye on eternity, on the resurrection that first easy, or Easter, sorry. The Christian life is a life lived for Christ. Isn't it? A Christian life is a life lived for Christ. And this Palm Sunday, let us remind ourselves of our calling. So let us read together 2 Timothy chapter 2. And here Paul, he's given Timothy, a young preacher of the gospel, some firm instructions, instructions for his ministry about some difficulties that may come his way in his calling. And he says, Timothy, my son, be you strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these two to faithful men who also will be able to teach others. Verse 3, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. For no one engaged in warfare, warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. There is rules. Verse 6, the hard-working farmer. There's work involved in being a Christian. There's work involved in following the Lord Jesus Christ. The hard-working farmer must first be partake of the crops. And then look at verse 8. Paul says to Timothy, in all your struggles in life, remember that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Remember that in all our struggles and difficulties, whether it be the deathbed that we lie in, whether it be the present day difficulty, what Paul has sent to the church and what God has sent to his churches, remember in, all, in it all that Christ was raised from the dead. In other words, fix your eyes on eternal life. Remember that Christ was raised from the dead according to the gospel. Listen, for which I suffered trouble as an evildoer even to the point of change, but the word of God is not chained. In verse 10, we'll end with this, and here's the eternal hope. Here's the reason we do what we do. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. Listen, that they also may obtain the salvation that Jesus and Jesus Christ was in glory. The reason we endure with the gospel is that we could see people saved, is what was just said there. Amen. Notice the words of Paul. 
I endure all things for the sake of the elect. And what I see here is endurance is needed if you want to see people saved. We need to get ourselves into the fight, into the war. Before you came to faith, was there faithful people in, had, had spoken to you, pointed you to Jesus, prayed for you, all these different things, they were in the fight. And what, what he says in, in verse 3, he says to Timothy, listen, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now there's two strong words here that accompany the Christian ministry for soul winning, endurance and hardship. It's not a good point to win people, but it's the biblical truth, endurance and hardship, it seems to be grafted into the work of the ministry. Now the Bible refers to Christians as soldiers, soldiers of the cross, each believer ministering in different ways in their life, pointing people to Christ, offering help, offering prayer and inviting people to various gatherings, all these things every believer does as a soldier in the Lord's enemy. Yes, some have left their post. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you've left your post. Some are wounded. Maybe that's you. You're, you're wounded. You're a soldier, but you're wounded. And a wounded soldier can't fight. He's no longer in the war. Others are absent without leave. But listen, there's many. There's many people still in the fight. And let me encourage each of you to make sure you're in the fight. Get your eyes on to the resurrection. Because Jesus himself was in the fight. And he went before us and we're called to follow. So the first point this morning I want to give you in the war for souls is the simple word obedience because what we know is every soldier must obey orders in the army the soldier takes his orders from his chain of command and the christian takes his orders from the scriptures that's where we take our guidance the big difference is this that the soldier is forced to follow the christian follows by choice in matthew gospel matthew's gospel chapter 4 19 we read about two brothers simon and andrew and they were called into Christian service. And Jesus says to them simply this, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And what I see here is that God doesn't force men or women to be saved. He invites them. And likewise, he doesn't force the believer to be in the fight for souls. But each believer is called, is invited, is enlisted, as Paul put it. Follow me, Jesus says to his church, and I will make you soul winners. Now, we are all in the war, and we are all fishers of men in God's army. As I thought about this, because what I've often seen in my time is people think, well, because I'm not a preacher, I'm not in God's army. It's funny, that. But some are called to be medics, to heal the wounded in spirit. Some of you have that gift. Your words heal. Your ministry heals. Your, your calling at strange times with gifts, your, your text message of encouragement. It's not just by chance, it's a gift. It's your calling. It's what God has given you to do. You're a medic, if you like. You heal the wounded in spirit. Some are called to train up young soldiers, preparing them for the great war of service. Some are called to work in the canteen. Thank God for the canteen. Without it, we'd be hungry. Some are called to work in the finance department with many internal rules there. Some to admin, some to teach. Some are called to the front line to preach the gospel. Some are called to recruitment, evangelism. Some are called to communications, getting the word of God out. Some are called to keep in touch with command post, intercessory prayer. And the list goes on. 
See, in the Lord's army, there's many rules. And in the, in the army of the world, there's many rules that make it a great and successful army. We all have our part. So the second point is the soldier's training. This is perhaps a more difficult one. Because all soldiers must be trained. If you, if you know anybody who went to the military, a young boy, for instance, you'll see that wee boy leave, a wee naive boy at 19. And in his first year, he'll come back with a straight back. And he'll look at you in your eyes when he's speaking to you. If you're really fortunate to be able to iron his clothes, he leaves a boy, he comes back a man, and that is the training that's needed in the church. We need to mature, let go of our childish ways and take our calling seriously. The war for souls is not something that is fabricated. It's a real and true fact. Take seriously their calling. Learn to endure. Look at Paul's words in verse 3. Sure in the suffering as a good soldier. There's nothing make a person want to quit more than what? A good dose of suffering. There's nothing that will take you away from your calling more. And all I want to say in this matter is that suffering and endurance, despite my preference that it wasn't to be true, appears to accompany Christian service. In the Garden of Gethsemane, and we've sang this this morning, the first Palm Sunday week, Jesus, we read, is, is, is troubled in spirit. He's having to really endure in his walk. Yes, we're talking about Jesus. He was about to suffer the cross, and here's what he prays. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. There will be times that our cup will be hard to carry. There will be times we will say, Lord, is there no other way? These are some of the things that we see in the Christian life. Father, if it's possible. And the cup here refers to suffering. Suffering. And suffering can sometimes cause us to doubt God, turn our back on the faith, get angry. Some say it's down to poor discipleship, but I guess it is, but it's also real emotion, real feeling. The cup refers to suffering because Jesus himself was about to endure that bloody, shameful cross of Calvary. And three times Jesus prayed this prayer. And see, if men's souls were to be saved, if your soul is to be saved, Jesus had to endure suffering. Father, if there is any other way. But listen, here's the thing. Three times his prayer ended with this, but not my will, but yours be done. Endurance is a battle of wills. My will feeds God will. How's your endurance going? Whose will is winning this morning? What can we learn from this in the most simplest way? Well, I believe it's this. Every believer must learn to say these words, Father, not my will, but yours. See, the soul-winning church must learn endurance. It's a tool that is used to make the soldier strong in the Lord. And with endurance comes discipline. Now, here's the thing. A soldier requires discipline. And every believer needs to practice self-control. Without it, one's in danger of losing their testimony. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9. But I discipline my body and I keep it under control, least after preaching... To others, I myself shall be disqualified. 
Here's the truth. A Christian can be disqualified from service. And over the years, too many soldiers of the cross have fallen. Now, there are many reasons for this, but one main reason that is found is this, a soldier lacking self-control, succumbing to the cunningness of the enemy. So the soldier's training involves endurance, discipline, self-control, and dedication. And Paul is instilling in Timothy here the need to be dedicated to the call of Christian ministry. Jesus, speaking about dedication, says this in Matthew 6, but seek first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. See, there's this battle of wills being presented to us again, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Put me first is what Jesus is saying. Put me first and I will provide for your heart's desires. There's a challenge, and I wonder are you at that place this morning? There's a wrestle in your life. There's something that you're wrestling with, and you, you know what you ought to do, but there's this desire to do something else. Listen to what we're saying, and, and, and Christ is saying, listen, you're going to be constantly met with this battle of wills, but if you put me first, I will give you the desires of your heart. And the truth is, you and I don't even know what the desires of our heart is. We think we do. See, with dedication comes a willingness to do the Father's will, and with obedience, God adds blessing. Here's something that I find interesting. In John chapter 2, we read that Jesus is at the wedding at Cana, and the wine for the guests has run out. And Mary, Jesus' mother, goes to Jesus and she informs him of this embarrassing situation. And Jesus says to his mother Mary, why are you telling me this? My hour has not yet come. Now listen, Mary has no authority over the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary can't save, she can't do any of these things. She's a woman blessed among women. But that's where it ends. And Mary just steps back. And here's what she says. Mary turns to the servant, she says, do whatever he tells you. There's a lesson for all the servants of the Lord. Do whatever he tells you. Be obedient, follow his instruction, and everything will be all right at this wedding. And these servants did exactly what Jesus asked in every detail, with the jars, with the water, with everything in detail. And what happened next? The best wine in town began to flow. Perhaps the best wine in the world began to flow. It came. And this is a valuable lesson, because obedience and dedication, no matter how rigid it sounds, to the Lord's work will be richly, richly rewarded. The Lord knows the dedication of his people. Many a man can preach and not be dedicated. Don't be fooled. Every man and woman is called to the work of the ministry every day of their lives. In our living, as we looked at recently. And the blessings of God, they satisfy the weary soul and bring delight to the hurting heart. Because his reward is like no other. And Paul knows that there will be times in Timothy's life where he will want to give up. And what's true for Timothy is true for all believers. There will be times where he will feel like giving up the fight. And Paul gets alongside Timothy as we ought to get alongside each other. And he points him to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says to Timothy, this young minister, he says, keep on going, Timothy. Difficulty, hardship, 
and even suffering may well come, but don't look back. Keep looking ahead to the resurrection. Remain dedicated to your calling. Keep looking to him and trusting him. Christian, maybe that's a simple word for you this morning. Keep on going this morning. Don't look back, but look ahead to what we're looking at this week, the resurrection. Remain dedicated to your calling. And remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead and he's coming again. Revelation 22. Behold, I'm coming soon and my reward is with me. What does that tell us? The best is still to come. The wine, it's still to come. The best is still to come. So the soldier's training is to endure hardships in the work of the ministry, to learn personal discipline to aid us in the work of the ministry. And we learn dedication and obedience to keep us, to keep us in the work of the ministry. And then there's a good bit. As trained soldiers now, we receive weapons. According to the Bible, God has given us church weapons to accomplish his work. Now listen, in case you're getting too excited, it's not rocket launchers, it's not hand grenades, it's none of them things of the earthly sense. But the weapons that has been given to the church is, they're called divine power, to pull down strongholds. Second Corinthians 10 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. Think of that water that became wine. Divine power. That's what that was. Nothing else. Nothing more. Nothing less. Divine power to do the impossible. Listen, Christian. We are weak as weak can be. But in him and through him we have divine power to do the impossible. That's all I want to say on it. You have the power to do great things in his name. You have the power to heal the wounded. To, to see the lost sinner saved. There's power in the Christian army. We have divine power, but yet we look to the world quite often for it. What are some of these weapons? Well, praying at all times in the spirit, we sung it down on our knees with our hands up. There's many sing, but few practice. That's the call of the soldier. Get down on our knees and to seek the Lord in the private place and in the, in the corporate setting. But let me just highlight some weapons that are mighty in the believer. And all believers ought to have them. Because there's nothing worse than a lying believer. There's the belt of truth. And here's the thing about truth. It's got the power to set you free from the devil's hold. And maybe there's somebody here this morning and you're living a lie. And you're living that way and you know you're in bondage. Are you listening? There's somebody perhaps and you found yourself trapped and you're living a lie. And you know if you tell the truth there's consequences. Well, here's the truth. You need to tell the truth. Loose the devil from you and things will get turned out and sorted out. The belt of truth, then the, best, the breastplate of righteousness. If our living is pleasing in God's sight, it upsets the enemy. Then there's the gospel shoes, ready to share the gospel. There's a shield of faith, you know what it does? It deflects the lies and doubt that come our way. Then there's a helmet of salvation. That's an assurance of salvation. Have you got that this morning? That's a, that's a weapon. Then there's the sword of the Spirit. That's the Word of God. But there's one great weapon. It's a weapon of peace. You know what this, this weapon does? It guards your vital organs. Because see, if the enemy gets into your head, or if the enemy gets into your heart, he will do you great harm, and in return you'll do great harm to the work of the ministry. If the enemy gets into this head, 
I start to go off school, if it starts to get into this heart, I desire to leave the ministry. And Philippians 4 says this, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, God's peace can't be bought. Yes, the world's searching for peace, but only in Christ can it be received. Now lastly, just one more point, the soldier's victory, which is glory. After the battle, we see this in history, a faithful soldier receives a warm welcome home by his countrymen. Now according to scripture, all God's faithful soldiers in the war for souls, when the war for souls is over, will receive, each receive a victor's welcome. This is what Paul's talking about. Remember Christ resurrected. This is not it. There's more to come. At the end of age, the resurrection of Christ, will we, and he will meet his soldiers face to face. And we're told that on that day, Christ himself will welcome us home. And what will he say, church? Well done, good and faithful servant. We need to get that into our minds. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. What does faithful service look like? Well, Paul's speaking about his own life, if he may, I suppose. He simply says this when he's in his deathbed or thereabouts. <clears throat> he says, I fought the good fight. This is what a faithful life looks like. I haven't preached the best sermons. I haven't prayed the greatest prayers in the company of others. I haven't let on I'm a great believer. I live for God. He says, I fought the good fight. And then many times when I felt like quitting, I kept going. When I seen men being destroyed by the enemy, I, looked, I drew alongside them and encouraged them and built them up in the faith. Do you see, I fought the good fight, he says. He didn't mimic a disciple. He was a disciple. He says, I have finished my course, his race. We don't finish, church, till God takes us. Yet there's people in the ministry, ministry and they've retired at 25. Some have retired at 35. We're good to ourselves. We don't retire until our course is finished. And he says, I've kept the faith. We need the shield. That shield. Because the enemy tells you a lie. You're good for nothing. What can you do? There is no God anyway. It's all a load of nonsense. All these lies. And we haven't got the faith. And Paul says, I kept the faith. And not every man can say it. But he said it. And then he speaks about this. I call it the end time wine, if you like this, this eternal crown of reward. He says, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. But, he says, but not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. The saved, all the faithful servants of Christ will receive a crown of righteousness. I have a couple of minutes left, I'm finished. It's not clear what this crown means. There's many different thoughts. But here's what I see what this crown means. And take this, and it means so much more. But this is what this victor's crown means. It speaks of honor. It speaks of honor. It speaks of faithfulness. That's what it speaks of. It speaks of dedication. It reminds me of the best wine that flowed at the end of the night at the wedding. For all who follow faithfully the Lord, the best is yet to come. Amen, church? Oh, give us an amen, church. The best is yet to come. Thank God. Thank God.
How many here saved under five years? Put your hand up. A few. A few wee babes in Christ. My best years. Oh boy. For my friends, it was their worst years. You know what they used to say? Neil, can you talk about nothing else but this Jesus stuff? Friends, I don't talk to God to me no more. What's changed? Oh, I'm in the fight. Oh, I'm weary like yourselves. I know suffering, I know endurance. But why aren't they sending me Neil? Why can you not talk about anything else? That's a personal rebuke now. But there's something about when you really get into that war, when you get that wee bit weary and a wee bit beaten, isn't it? And everything isn't just as new anymore. But we're still in the fight. And all who faithfully follow the Lord will receive that best wine. One more quote, and I'm going to ask the team to come. Billy Graham said this. You have to quote a good evangelist. We are the Bibles the world is reading. We are the creeds the world is needing. We are the sermons, we are the sermons that the world is hating. What are we preaching to them? Brothers, sisters, what are we preaching? Oh, come on, let us get in the fight. Because I look around me and I see people in this church who are different. People who carry something of God. Who challenge me in their living who challenged me in their speaking, who challenged me in their giving, who challenged me to be a better soldier of God. That's the gospel we want to preach. But here's the greater truth. I once was a great sinner with stains all over him, the T-shirt. I've told it many times, thinking I was cool. But now we're changed. That's the testimony that we need to tell others. No matter where you find yourself this morning in life, if you're not saved, you have a longing soul. If you're not saved, you have no peace and you're going to be fighting the same demons and you're in what's called a circle of sin, making the same mistakes. There might be more maybe righteous mistakes, but they're mistakes. But only in Christ can we find peace and become and receive that best wine. Amen. I want to ask the team to come. Please keep on going, brethren. That's my word this morning. Keep on going. Let us continue to fight the good fight and fix our eyes on eternity. And when he comes again, the victor's, the victor's reward, well done, good and faithful servant. Father, we thank you, God, for this Palm Sunday. As we considered, Lord God, the, the war that there is for souls, Father, we think of the Lord Jesus himself, how he came and endured great suffering, God, that we could be saved this morning. And Lord, that war for souls continues on. Lord, each man, each woman, each boy, each girl is called. And Lord, there is an enemy that seeks to destroy, to steal and kill, Lord, our life, God. Lord, to destroy our faith, Lord, the, the ultimate reward for him is to steal the soul of a lost man or woman. But Father, we thank you that you didn't come to condemn. You didn't come to tell us that we're great sinners, Lord. You knew we're great sinners. You come that we could be saved, God, from our sin. And Lord, I pray over each of us this morning, and Lord, you would remind us that, Father, in Christ we're free. In Christ our sin, sin has removed. We are a new man, a new woman. And Lord, if there's one or two here this morning, and Lord, they're not saved. They don't, don't know what it is to have their, their sins forgiven. To be born again, to, to have a new life in Christ. That, Lord, you would speak to them this morning through your spirit. Lord, that the conviction would be found in this house. 
Lord, without conviction, there can't be conversion. There can be confessions, but no conversion. Lord, I pray that the conviction of God would be, Lord, ripe among us this morning. And Lord, that same conviction, Lord God, if there's a believer here this morning and they're caught in that place, that trap of a lie, oh Lord, you would Lord, give them the courage, that, Lord, to tell the truth. Lord, to free themselves from that prison. Lord, and you will help them and help their situation. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, you endured that cross. And Father, as we come around your table, as we consider Calvary, as we consider that finished work, and as we consider that you're coming again, Lord, may it be a time of rejoicing. Lord, would you put a fire in our bellies this morning? Lord, may it be said of us, by our friends and family, yet again, is there nothing else you know? Is there nothing else you can talk about? Only this Jesus. God, would you re, Lord, put a re, a new fire, Lord, reignite our, our, our seal for you, God. Lord, make us, Lord God, them recruitment officers, Father, in the army. That, Lord, we would see ourselves going as recruiting, God, people for you. Tell them about, tell them about that great enlister. That one who's willing, Lord, to put their name on that role. And when that role is called up the under, Father, oh, glory to God. Father, we thank you for that Lamb's book of life. That whosoever name is written in that wee book, God, we trust it's a big book. Lord, whoever's name is written in that book, they shall know the victor's welcome. And Lord, for our loved ones, for our friends and our family, God, that, Lord, as we're coming up to this time and this season of mission, Lord, where we're going to be trusting, Lord, like never before, that the Spirit will be moving and life will be saved, that, Lord, you would put God upon us, Lord, a spirit, Lord, of boldness, of wisdom, of humility, but, Lord, of boldness, that, Lord, we would be able, Lord, to speak, to talk and to invite, Lord God, that, Lord, you would go ahead of us, and, Lord, we would see great and mighty things done for your name. In Jesus' name. Amen.